0: Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode here at the Paleo Podcast. Uh, Today, I am just by myself, and we're going to be talking about something kind of different today. Uh, Nothing really about dinosaurs in particular, um, nothing mammals, but we're actually going to be talking about sharks, Uh, one of the oldest animals that has actually ever inhabited this planet, right next to other little crustaceans and parts of um, species of bacteria. Uh, the reason why I'm kind of going over this is because recently I've been doing a lot of studies of shark behaviors of just tracking them online and kind of finding trends uh, here in Florida which is now leading up to a huge research paper which I'm hoping to get published uh, which kind of talks all about that and that's kind of why I'm gonna be going over today And I know it has been a while since I've uploaded on here and also on Spotify. So, again, apologize about that. But what I've been doing is doing tons of other research, tons of cool new projects. I've been traveling the country, actually, quite a bit this past summer. And, uh, yeah, it's been tons of, tons of fun stuff going on. And... Let's just say this episode just only covers just some of the research that I've done this summer. Uh, To kind of start everything off, over this past summer, I actually visited a lot of aquariums. And what really got me interested is how these sharks um, in some of these aquariums... uh, For example, I went to the Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia and kind of saw how some of their smaller species of sharks interact with their larger species of sharks and how those and how the shark population of these tanks actually kind of interact with their surrounding uh fish and other organ and other organisms if you want to call it that uh and what got me thinking is because in in all reality uh florida is one of those spots where for fossil hunters that that they want to come to find shark teeth i mean for most fossil hunters i feel like any fossil hunter that comes in from out of state that comes in florida has to at least come home with at least one shark tooth it's just a thing i don't know if i'm uh judging or like uh assuming anything at that at this point but hey I, not sure but uh but these studies or just kind of these general observations I've been making um then with the amount of hunting I've been doing this uh summer as well just hunting in random locations and and all these uh pleistocene deposits mixing with some small very small miocene deposits kind of got me thinking uh, um just notice how these larger miocene deposits that are full of all these prehistoric shark teeth in certain spots of florida um how plentiful the actual teeth are by that i mean some of these spots you can find let's see 200 shark teeth in a day then like only a few ice age mammal bones from the pleistocene uh then if you go to another spot you'll you'll find maybe like for example where i hunt uh, you'll find like one sh- one or two shark teeth and like tons of mammal uh, fossils, which I mean shows kind of a how different geologic spots um, are compo- are comprised of these different formations, but then if you kind of think of that and relative to if you're researching Florida's past geologic history, uh, you actually start kind of finding this trend that trend actually can be seen in the in the topography maps. So, uh, looking at elevation of Florida, and in retrospect to other other areas of Florida, for example, if you look at a topography map, the more the areas that are higher in elevation are actually located more in the central, um, some western parts of Florida, which actually show that generally speaking when Florida rose out of the water um and sea levels were fluctuating uh these areas that are have a higher elevation now were actually out of the water before uh any other parts of florida were which could explain uh why we find these shark teeth in these certain areas in in comparison to other areas um For example, uh, if we think about it, what we see today in in the modern day, what I see is a lot of sharks actually hunting close to shore. And that was kind of a general observation that I've noticed uh, for a long time now, but I really haven't thought about recently. But uh, if you're a Floridian, you probably have seen in the news lately all these sharks actually coming very close to shore uh and i started noticing that because near where i'm at there was actually a sighting of a tiger shark that was uh literally within the um, can name the general area of the water but literally nearly a few feet from from the shoreline i guess if you want to call it that but uh that kind of got me thinking about this these trends and then kind of line that up with modern day and saying putting two and two together and saying all right so there's kind of a certain trend that's happening here and is that visible in the fossil record at all because I mean a lot of the animals that we see today that we see in the fossil record for example like alligators and turtles uh, we just find these fossils in certain locations that that ha- show these trends a uh, prime example of that are crocodilians, and how, uh, well, to be more precise, i want kind of going into uh, the, the Cretaceous crocodiles that you find the Hill Creek Formation in Montana. Uh, in that area, in the Hill Creek Formation of Montana, you find a lot of late Cretaceous uh, plants that kind of resemble what the Florida Everglades are like today. And then you kind of find those trends with those plants, with the alligators, or the, not alligators, the crocodilians and the crocodile forms and the turtles that are in the area, then you kind of find those trends on, oh, now we can start piecing certain things together. And now, and then we, you can study fr- from there how those animals interacted with larger animals. And then, kind of also piecing together other other um, certain assets of that environment, just like the plants. And the overall kind of habitat that these animals were living in. Uh, going back to the whole uh, shark study, there's not really much of a difference either from what I've noticed uh, kind of relating back to what I said earlier on the topo- the, the, the wow uh, the topography of Florida how those central areas, were are highly elevated which probably presumes that the those were actually islands during the Miocene could have actually attracted a lot of sharks Um, from what I have researched Florida really hasn't changed globally uh, for since the Miocene of course we of course the continents still were moving uh, during the Miocene and whatnot therefore we probably weren't our what I'm trying to say is our continents where they're positioned today were more than likely not positioned the same spot 17 million years ago uh but yeah close to where they are today and what I'm trying to get at is um Florida's uh position in in relative to the equator in relative wow uh In relation to the equator there we go Uh, and what I was gonna talk about here is how is the formation of certain aquatic habitats such as reefs and other um, coral beds and like for example um, the Indian River Lagoon which holds a lot of um, resource sources for animals to live there. Uh, Not saying that sharks actually live in Florida rivers, as far as I know of. Uh, But uh, what I'm trying to get at is, the closer you are to the aquarium, the more resources, um, aquatically, there are um, for a larger variety of animals to live at. And what we see throughout the fossil record is, if you have an area of large resources, i.e. plants uh plants landscape uh then then i'm adding in the asset of animals your herbivorous animals like in this case fish uh possibly whales i don't know i know today whales don't really get um so far south um because of the migration patterns but who knows they they, they may have um, really gone down this far quite often back then I mean we do find whale fossils here in Florida but uh, I wouldn't say as often as we do in other spots as North and South Carolina which is actually something I'm going kind of get into later in this episode uh, anyways um, with that a large amount of resources we see everywhere in the fossil record with a lot of animals and a lot of resources and a lot of more specifically um more herbivorous animals we're gonna see a large gathering of predators to feed on said animals therefore saying have a big food chain in this case in a big aquatic food chain uh and coincidentally you have a series of islands off um near the equator, which probably formed a lot of um, coral reefs, small coral reefs. Now, now we don't know the extent of these coral reefs, um, just because of how Fuller's geology is, and that we don't have any really, our major bedrock formations are consisted of limestone, and uh, some gravel beds, um, shell pits, but we do find um, agatized coral, uh, which from what I know is actually the state rock of florida which is actually fossilized or i I don't know if it's just fossilized coral in general or agatized coral specifically but i know um it's definitely um fossil coral of some type uh maybe it's agatized coral gotta look more into that but uh kind of playing all those clues together kind of brief briefly and generally construct and Image towards what the aquatic ecosystems of the Miocene of Florida were like, um, but what's really interesting is that where these pieces of fossilized coral are 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 actually found in let's say phosphate um, and limestone deposits near these higher elevation areas. Um, not saying that not saying that they were on these higher directly on these higher elevation areas but they're you know a few miles within these higher elevation areas um within to kind of more general um specifically go into these areas i'm talking about uh gainesville uh and kind of more northern regions of florida in comparison to southern regions but you do find agatized coral more in the northern regions um do doing this um southern southwestern um regions of florida but you still find them you still find them not saying it's impossible to but you still find them but uh with that in mind you put that together um so now you have kind of general construction of an ecosystem um then the next thing that you add into that as i said before is your prey so of course we find tons of just small whale bones again not as much um that you would in comparison to like let's say north and south carolina where you find huge uh whale vertebrae and all that fun stuff but you still do find a lot of whale stuff here in florida uh and then with that you also find bucket loads of dugong ribs which which was probably the major um which was probably Which probably made up a majority of the herbivorous um, fauna in these um, aquatic, shallow ocean areas. uh, Which would eventually rise up to become the rest of Florida's landmass. Uh, And now, in these areas as well, where these agatized corals are found, you, of course, find the shark teeth. Yeah, I mean hundreds of shark teeth. uh, Kind of going kind of going back a few years for me, I actually visited the Peace River once, uh, it was around 50 degrees outside, and w- And I was so excited to actually finally visit the Peace River for the first time, and I got my sifter and stuff, I was so ready, and um, kind of what I was saying um, at the beginning of this episode is that you find a lot of, in certain areas, you find a lot of mammal bones, and then and then some shark teeth, or you find a lot of shark teeth, and some mammal bones. And that's exactly what happened to me. I found around 200 shark teeth, uh, just basic lemon shark, bull shark, hammerhead, uh, then like a few, let's see, like three turtle scoots and like a one random mammal bone fragment. And that was it. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, that's all I found there then kind of looking at that and relating it to the topography map I've been recently studying, uh that area is near a level of higher topography, um or higher elevation, which shows which indicates that the area higher elevation was an island. And then um you find these shark teeth near these um prehistoric islands um quote unquote And then now you have a base there to kind of relate to the modern day uh from what i've seen with um shark unlike shark tractors for example um website i've been using is osearch.org which tracks a lot of different um sharks and sea turtles and i think that's it they only do sharks and sea turtles right now but you can see see their um like um Swimming patterns and migration routes and what I've noticed, especially on Smaller Smaller islands and some larger continents um, Good example Australia Uh, There were the last time I checked there were actually three tiger sharks Swimming the coastlines of Australia Keep in mind these are only sharks that this this organization has tagged that doesn't this doesn't count every shark that's that's in that area there could be dozens of other more tiger sharks in that area with this in mind relate back to these areas just like peace river where you find all these shark teeth and then you're like oh this is near a prehistoric coastline of small islands of course um from what i know uh the islands were inhabited by animals but yet these islands gave um kind of an environmental support to the aquatic ecosystems around them um to kind of relate that is to like the mangrove swamps of the everglades and the Indian river lagoon uh where there's an not a lot of um land i mean there is quite a bit of land dwelling animals but most of the, the primary reason for these uh mangrove areas is to provide, um, aquatic, um, habitat support to these animals. And then kind of noticing that it's kind of snapped to me, um, stood out to me that, uh, wow, if I found a trend that sharks today live near coastlines and in Florida, you find shark teeth, a lot of shark teeth in areas where there used to be a prehistoric coastline so it's kind of interesting to see that um, kind of trend there because that actually shows a possible behavioral behavioral um, traits in sharks that may have not even changed for 17-20 millions of years now who knows how far how long this has been going on uh but the only thing is I'm kind of bi biased because I only um been studying the, um, the 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 big Miocene shark teeth deposits of Florida and not anywhere else like let's for say Morocco with their shark teeth or like North Carolina and uh, South Carolina. But uh I But really what I'm trying to set here is kind of the the foundation towards our understanding that we could take to other locations just like South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Morocco, and to kind of apply this general concept of these um, trends and kind of see if these trends match up into these other locations globally where we find a lot of shark teeth. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of what I discovered was these larger miocene shark teeth producing uh, deposits line up nearly exact uh, with how we and how we see sharks interacting with their um with their um habitats or environments aquatic environments today uh which which could also kind of lay a foundation towards what we could see with other animals that are in the fossil record um i.e um alligators turtles whales um and other animals that, that are living today um that we see in the fossil record and then we could kind of start in, um, predicting and um, making theories based on modern day predictions about the past so like more behavior stuff um now that we kind of see these trends in the shark fossil record um, that that have been exist, existing for 20 million years, these natural instincts kind of built into the minds of sharks that really haven't um, disappeared, then relating that to maybe the hunting instincts of a crocodile. Um, and we, we start to know that, but I feel like we'll, um, this trend here kind of can help... Um, kind of raised the credibility of those theories just slightly which i mean slightly in in a way is kind of a lot um so yeah that's um kind of one trend that i noticed and then uh and another behavioral trend that's kind of a little bit off topic is um more for say the larger species of sharks in florida in comparison to other areas of the country uh and an example I actually wrote in my first draft of my paper was um, the, megalodon, uh, teeth, uh, the megalodon teeth, the megalodon teeth uh, specimens found here in Florida in comparison to the megalodon teeth found in North and South Carolina. And from what I've noticed, a lot, the majority of the megalodon teeth that you actually find here in Florida are pretty um, small, which could indicate that. There's a lot of juveniles, but but when I mean small, I'm still talking three, four inches. But if you compare that to the a lot of what you find in North and South Carolina, five inch, six inch teeth, then you can kind of start seeing that. Oh, why are there smaller shark teeth in this? Why are there smaller megalodon teeth here in Florida, in comparison to the larger shark teeth that I find in North Carolina, and and I kind of came up with a prediction for that which is that the that these shallow water environments couldn't really um sustain a a stable habitat for an adult-sized megalodon or any other species of large um prehistoric shark um just like angus titan auriculitis um, megalodon etc and uh so what probably happened is off to the coast wait wh- i mean miles off the coast uh, the adult megalodons um came down to breed miles offshore these islands and these sh- more shallow sh- shallow regions of um the um, the um, ocean the gulf stream that's what i meant uh and then eventually migrate their way up and down the coast, the major coastline of North America, um, for example, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and follow actual whale migrations that we see up and down there because that's what we know Megalodon actually fed on were actual whales. Um, there's proof of that. So we can kind of see a behavioral pattern there, but of course, because of the amount of fossils, fossils, um, the variety of fossils that we can actually get out of sharks is very minimal because of how their skeletons actually fossilize. Again, a lot of the stuff that I've been saying, it can literally be proven false if we ever get a time machine. (laughs) Because yeah, we don't, we don't actually see physical structures of sharks for the most part. And because of Florida's, um, geology, we're never ever probably going to be able to find a full outline of a shark but yet that's just totally based off of my prior knowledge as is uh that's not that's not doing any research on hey have you found any full body outlines of sharks here in florida so i mean there's a lot of questions that still need to go into this research but uh what i was trying to build here is kind of a foundation that maybe other fossil researchers um like you guys or just scientists in general can actually kind of relate to to kind of form your own theories on prehistoric life based on modern day life or maybe you notice a trend in the fossil record that maybe a lot of people don't see and then we could kind of um speculate what like um how the trends in um, the fossil record can actually correlate towards prehistoric life. Uh, I think that's kind of it for um, what I was trying to kind of um, convey in my research um, here this past summer and whatnot. And I, I kind of hinted at it a few times throughout this episode, but I actually did make a um, first draft of of my of a um, kind of. It's not an not official yet keyword yet um kind of unofficial publication which is titled shark Tooth capital of the world how the Fo- how the mysing fossil record of uh how the aquatic fossil record of florida can help discover modern day shark behavior so um If you guys actually want a copy of that first draft just send me a dm through my instagram at dino and i'll email you a draft of a um, kind of abbreviated first draft rough copy i mean um rough draft of the actual paper just to kind of show you guys what i'm trying to build up here because i feel like i i i kind of speak more clearly in writing than i do speaking Which is ironic because I'm doing a podcast right now. But uh, yeah, I think that's actually it. So uh, thank you guys for actually tuning into this episode. Um, And all I kind of want to emphasize here is kind of go out and make your own discoveries, like how I did. Uh, Find your own trends in the fossil record and kind of, you know, question things, question things a bit. Uh, And I feel like us, um, us, people in general just questioning um, these um, trends or just maybe things in the fossil record that may, maybe a lot of people don't um, think about quite often can actually really help um, emphasize an image towards the behavioral or phys- behavioral, physical or any other asset that contributes to an extent of knowledge to our prehistoric world um so yeah i'm gonna kind of wrap up this episode here thank you guys for tuning in um this is an episode i've actually been wanting to do for a long time but i figured because i just finished the first draft of my research paper it's kind of a good way to kind of promote it and kind of talk about my topic um a little more maybe add some information that i didn't add in my actual paper itself so with that being said i'll see you guys in the next episode